NASCAR puts the brakes on a Let's Go Brandon race car. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez parties in Florida while New York City pushes mask and vaccine mandates. Plus, ABC's George Stephanopoulos claims Hillary Clinton supporters didn't riot after the 2016 election. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend and you are having a happy new year. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Brandon Brown, Joe Biden, and a phrase that has swept the nation and which has become a rallying cry for all those who see the Biden administration as a complete and total failure. As you recall, during the late summer and into the fall at major sporting events, chance of F. Joe Biden would just spontaneously erupt. It was occurring everywhere, and it was a sign that people, even months ago, were losing faith in Joe Biden's ability to lead. But then, on October 2nd, everything changed. Following a NASCAR race in which driver Brandon Brown was the winner, NBC reporter Kelly Stavis coined a phrase that would soon go viral as chants of F. Joe Biden started spreading through the crowd Stavis, while interviewing Brown, said this. Oh my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd, let's go Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were gonna kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn. What did you learn that helped you there in those closing laps? Oh my God, it was uh... Let's go Brandon. That's how it all began. And now there are hats and shirts and mugs and flags and everything else you can imagine with the Let's Go Brandon slogan on it. Stores are popping up around the country that focus on Let's Go Brandon merchandise. Now, some of you might feel sorry for Brandon Brown. After all, he's just driving his race car. He won the race, but the only thing people remember is the Let's Go Brandon phrase. But don't worry, Brown decided to embrace it. He'd embraced the phrase and was preparing to actually use it on his race car. That is, until NASCAR came in and just announced that instead of embracing the slogan and certainly pumping up their ratings, NASCAR would bow to political correctness and disallow the sponsorship. Here's the story. NASCAR is walking back its approval of driver Brandon Brown's sponsorship with LGB coin after initially approving the deal, according to Brown's spokesperson. Brandon Built Motorsports announced its partnership with LGB Coin on December 30th and said that the cryptocurrency meme coin's logo would be displayed on brown Chevrolet Camaro for all 33 races of the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The coin's website proudly reads, Let's Go Brandon. However, Brown's spokesperson Maxwell Marcucci told Fox Business that NASCAR pulled back its approval of the sponsorship deal on December 30th, after the partnership with LGB Coin was announced. So here's the deal. According to Brandon Brown's team, approval was given for the sponsorship, and now it appears that NASCAR is getting weak in the knees. Brown even went on Twitter on December 30th to announce the sponsorship. I'm excited to welcome LGB Coin aboard my number 68 Chevrolet Camaro as our 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series full season primary partner. 
Following that tweet, and later that same day, NASCAR told the team, not so fast. Here's more. A NASCAR spokesperson told Motorsport.com that Brown's team jumped the gun by announcing the partnership on December 30th. Marcucci says that NASCAR's statement runs counter to the facts of the situation. In a statement provided by Marcucci, Brandon-built Motorsports received approval on the sponsors from a NASCAR racing operations official on December 26th. According to the statement, the approval of the partnership was unambiguous as an opening portion of the email from the official said the sponsors are approved. So what do you think? Did Brandon Brown and his team jump the gun on their announcement? Or did NASCAR bow down to corporate leftist elite? Let me know in the comments. All right, next let's talk about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next is AOC, who in just a matter of a few days managed to show us both her hypocrisy and her limitless ability to be self-absorbed. Back in New York City, where AOC is from, there are mask mandates and vaccine mandates. Children can't eat at a restaurant unless they are vaccinated. And yet, AOC spent the last week partying maskless in Florida, and she didn't avoid large crowds either. So what kind of message does that send when AOC supports these draconian policies in New York, but then heads down to Florida to hang out without a mask? If she truly believed in these policies, wouldn't she still be wearing her mask? Wouldn't she still be avoiding large crowds? Nope. Just like a typical leftist, she will advocate policies for other people, but she won't follow them herself. Here's the story. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was spotted dining maskless outdoors in Miami this week, enjoying some time off in a state with loose COVID-19 policies before Congress returns in January. The New York Democrat, who firmly supports mask and vaccine mandates that Florida does not adhere to, was seen at Duraku Sushi in Izakaya in Miami Beach Thursday afternoon, according to photos obtained by the National Review. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez's sighting follows a record number of confirmed COVID cases in New York City that has led to stricter lockdown in the city and state. It turns out that AOC's time in Florida wasn't limited to a quick dining trip last Thursday. Yesterday, AOC was still spotted in Miami, this time at a crowded drag queen bar. And here's the deal. If someone wants to escape the cold of New York to head down to Miami, that's great. Go for it. The problem here is that AOC goes out of her way to demonize Florida, its governor, and the state's COVID policies. And yet, she has no problem going to Florida to enjoy the freedom of those policies. Children can't eat at a restaurant in New York City, but AOC can eat anywhere she wants in Florida. No mask, no mandate. But then she blasts Florida. And that's not all. As you can imagine, reaction from conservatives has been strong, and the criticism is justified. However, in response to the criticism, AOC went on a Twitter rant and said that all of this blowback is because Republicans just want to date her. If Republicans are mad they can't date me, they can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos. What? What is she even saying? The hypocrisy of partying in Miami is obvious. 
And yet she's commenting on sexual frustrations. But she wasn't done. Here's another. It's starting to get old, ignoring the very obvious, strange, and deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women, and LGBT plus people in general. These people clearly need therapy, won't do it, and use politics as their outlet instead. It's really weird. There are more, but you get the idea. AOC is so self-absorbed, she can't even see how ridiculous she actually is. In the meantime, there are children in New York who are sent outside in the cold to eat school lunch so they can adhere to the COVID restrictions. I'm not even going to start in about the actual science of COVID and children, but AOC should probably consider the impact of these restrictions while she sits on a beach in Miami. All right, next, as the media and Democrats gear up to milk the January 6th anniversary for all it's worth, people like ABC's George Stephanopoulos seem to forget what happened after Hillary Clinton's stunning defeat. The left would love more than anything to paint political violence as something that is somehow just exclusive to the right. We know better. First, there's the obvious riots and looting and vandalism and assaults from the left's BLM peaceful protests of 2020. We all saw how the media tried to spin the violence as something other than violence. Remember this scene from CNN? A fiery but mostly peaceful protest? Well, on ABC this week on Sunday, Stephanopoulos seemed to forget about the violence following Clinton's defeat as he and others on the left try to claim that all violence is caused by Trump supporters. Here's part of the exchange. People on both sides are not ready to accept the results of the next election. Both sides? I absolutely think that is the case. You look back at 2017, look at the ABC poll and whether Trump was legitimately elected. It was about six to eight points off of this one right now, not that far off. Hillary Clinton asked in 2017, was Trump legitimately elected point blank? She did not say yes. She said she had questions. You think Democrats, if Donald Trump runs again, runs again if Donald Trump wins in 2024, you think Democrats are going to think he was legitimately elected? You got to be kidding me. Good points. Just like in 2016, if Trump were to run in 2024 and win, there will be a large portion of Democrats just like Hillary Clinton, who claim it was illegitimate. But what about the riots and violence? Here's more. There's no precedent for that. I mean, this is purely in the Republican camp. The reality is, is even the polls suggested the Democrats agree that this was not about democracy. This is about ruining democracy, not protecting it. 25% of Democrats said violence was acceptable in that poll. In 2017, a third of Hillary Clinton voters said Donald Trump was not legitimately elected. They didn't, and you're they didn't take the same kind of actions it, that we exactly. saw. So George Stephanopoulos says Clinton supporters didn't take the same kind of action as Trump supporters. Wrong. All you have to do is do a little bit of research, something that journalists actually used to do. And you'd see that following Trump's inauguration, there was widespread violence. Here's a story. Police arrested more than 200 rioters in Washington, D.C. in January 2017 as riots ensued immediately after President Trump's swearing-in ceremony. Four businesses underwent significant damage due to vandalism. Six police officers sustained injuries, and one limousine was torched on Inauguration Day, NBC News reported at the time. Anti-Trump protests also erupted in New York, Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, and Portland, resulting in at least one man being shot in Seattle, CNN reported. 
Liberal groups praised the work of protesters, many of whom traveled from around the country to rail against Trump's illegitimate election, inspiring the Women's March later that month. Is it any wonder why people don't trust the media anymore? It's all about spin and painting a narrative that attempts to paint conservatives in a bad light and to portray the left as the saviors of the country. Fortunately for us, many people have been turned off by network news stations because they know all they get is leftist propaganda. And George Stephanopoulos is one of the top leftist mouthpieces. All right, next, as we say goodbye to 2021, let's not forget the fallout for people living in cities that are controlled by radical defund the police Democrats, like Chicago's Lori Lightfoot. Chicago saw its worst crime wave in a quarter of a century. Here's the story. Last year proved to be the deadliest in a quarter of a century for Mayor Lori Lightfoot's strife-torn Chicago. The Hill reports that Chicago police confirmed the city witnessed 797 homicides during the course of 2021. The Associated Press notes the 797 homicides represent 25 more than recorded in 2020, 299 more than in 2019, and the most since 1996. Moreover, there were 3,561 shooting incidents in 2021, which is just over 300 more than were recorded in 2020. The figure of 3,561 represents over 1,400 more shooting instances than were seen in 2019. The numbers are just incredible. And unfortunately, more and more often, we see Democrat mayors unwilling to do anything about it. These people promoted defunding the police. No one wanted that. Poll after poll after poll shows people of all races want more police presence, not less. And yet, voters keep voting for these Democrat big city mayors and then wonder why things are so bad. Lightfoot was recently on MSNBC and she was asked about the sky-high crime in Chicago and other cities. Well, we are making progress in Chicago. We have a homicide clearance rate that's about 45%, certainly below uh, what we expect, um, but better than we've been in about five or six years. We've cleared more murders this year than we have in the last 10 years. So we're seeing progress being made, but there's no question that the COVID-related impact on the public safety system in Chicago, in New York, in LA, DC, and other cities across the country is real. Wow. Crime is out of control. Murders, shootings, robberies. And Lori Lightfoot? She blames COVID. When will people wake up and see that things can be better? If they continue to vote for bad leaders, they're going to get bad government. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on, that way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Wednesday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.